Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, in CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grapeseed Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, they're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at pop culture, tech, long-awaited shows about female baseball players because in the end everything is an ad hello i am shannon miller the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. joining me at my proverbial right is one of my favorite people in the world community editor Luz corona hello hello shannon how are you it has taken you... us five years to record this episode so far my goodness dear listener <laughs> the journey it took for us to get here <laughs> Let's just say we appreciate you tuning in and we'll do whatever it takes to, <laughs> to make it on the air to you in a timely fashion. Technology rarely cooperates, but we made it work. We made it work. And hopefully we'll be able to filter some of this chaos that's about to happen on this episode, but hopefully not. We'll see. <laughs> and the reason why there is a high potential for chaos and just utter foolery is because we are joined by two incredible, incredible people. One is a returning friend of ours, digital editor, Colin Daniels. Colin, hello. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad to be here and cause chaos with all of you. Greetings from Young Influentials <laughs> podcast. We are so happy to be here. <laughs> 
Informational chaos. I just need the, the listener at home to understand that this is still going to be sure. a very useful episode. As useful as we can make it. And joining us for the very, very first time is senior TV reporter Molly Kehlane. Hello, Molly. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you for joining us on what is an incredibly busy day for you. We really appreciate you carving out some time to join us. For you, anything. (laughs) I appreciate that. For those at home, we are taping this just a few days ahead of Monday. And if you are not um, plugged into social media and don't know all of the ensuing TV drama that is happening in the streaming world, uh, Molly knows that all too intimately because she reports on it every day. So I would say that by this time, uh, by the time that you are listening to this, there should be a wealth of fantastic stories from Molly and the TV team that you can dig into and um, get all caught up if you if you need to. And I highly recommend that. But for now, we're not going to immerse ourselves in that just yet. We will save that stress for another day. <laughs> for now, we are focusing on one of the coolest packages that Adweek has to offer each year, Young Influentials. This is something that we do each year to honor those who are making a huge change in marketing, entertainment, the industry at large. And I believe the age cutoff is 40 and under. Is that it? Correct. It is. And the reason why we have um, Colin specifically here, for those of us who uh, were not here last year, Colin is one of the digital editors who is in charge of that incredible effort alongside another fan favorite, Chloe Harper-Gold. And he is also the host of the Brand Spanking New Young Influentials podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, in our podcast, we kind of use it as an extension of the list that we do annually every year. So we'll bring in people from TV, commerce, and whatnot from that list, along with other cool people under 40 that talk about the things that our audience, which is young professionals that are millennials and Gen Z, that can talk about their experience, their journey, and really humanize what it means to be young, uh, influential, and uh, kind of like, kind of open up that gate and that mystery of how to become uh, an industry leader within like their respective industries, whether it's media, the creator economy, influencing, whatnot. So we like to bring on just a wide variety of guests to come in and speak to us weekly and talk about different cool things, their journey, and just how to become into that realm that we all love and admire. And Colin's show is a perfect extension of, of an already sterling package. So it is really cool to see young influentials expand in such a cool, cool, engaging way. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But for now, Luz, can you tell the lovely audience why we have Molly here with us today? Yes, we have Molly here um, because she spoke to a queen of our generation, Abby Jacobson, uh, and wrote a marvelous cover story on her for a Young Influentials issue. Um, So Molly, I want to ask you all the questions. And so does Shannon, I would assume. Um, And just tell us like what what was it was it like um a journey like what just just paint the picture for us of what it was like talking to Abby Jacobson well first of all she's 
one of the most incredible people I've ever met. Um, this came about because she has a show coming out August 12th that she created. Uh, she's co-creator for it. She wrote a bunch of the episodes. She stars in it. Um, a League of Their Own. You probably know it from the 1992 movie. Uh, it, we are going to get a reboot on Prime Video, and it is... I've seen all eight episodes. It's phenomenal. But what was really important to Abby was telling all the stories that were left out of the original 92 movie, primarily queer stories and stories of, of people of color. Uh, but this came about because I was invited during Tribeca Film Festival to a small mixer that would have the cast of League of Their Own. I'm a huge sports fan, so this is the perfect TV sports throw it all together. Um, Abby was there alongside Darcy Carden, who's another star of the show. Um, and we chatted for about 20 minutes and loved it. Super genuine. I saw the first episode a little later, and then I came to Adweek, and I said, hey, I think we've got something really cool here. I want to do this. We reached out to Abby's people. They answered us within half an hour, and we're like, yep, we're super down. Um, but in terms of actually talking to her, I assumed she would have a representative, a PR person, anything. No, I got an email from her rep saying, how's Wednesday, 3 o'clock, this coffee shop in Brooklyn? I was like, cool, yeah, let's do it. Email her rep. I'm like, I'm a little early. Don't hear a reply. I'm like, oh, God, am I getting stood up? What's happening here? And then right at 3 o'clock, I turn around, and Abby Jacobson's just walking down the street. And she's like, hey, Molly, how are you? This oh place look my. okay? <laughs> um, yeah, so she she drinks uh, cold brew with oat milk. We have the same coffee order. Um, <laughs> coffee shop was full, so we sat in a park in Brooklyn for about two hours. It felt like talking to a friend. It's a very long-winded answer, but that's what it was like talking to Abby Jacobson. Oh, my God. We needed that all those details. very... Yes, and it feels very on brand. And it's kind of indicative of why her work resonates so deeply with a few generations. It just feels very grounded in something real. So to hear that she's kind of coming on her own to just talk to you candidly about her work and kind of her journey here, it feels like it aligns with a lot of the work that we are used to seeing from Jacobson, um, specifically Broad City, which was to me a revelation, you know, when it came out because how many comedies that we have at that time that featured two women uh, who were like unabashedly like raunchy and very, um, I don't want to say like in your face because Abby Jacobson was not in your face. In fact, she was incredibly grounded out of the two. And it reminded, that character actually reminded me of something that she said in your amazing story is that she really gravitates towards um, stories that are about kind of the unexpected leader. And in for A League of Their Own, which is one of my favorite films, so if anyone on this show stands to be super critical, it would be me. <laughs> one of the things that I was really excited to hear about was that she took this already sterling film and she could have very easily just continued on with that story that was already set. But she did something that I think we don't see in reboots or sort of revivals too often is that she saw something missing and said, I could fill a void here. I could use this already beloved story to fill a void. Um, so you are a resident TV expert and you, I imagine, have a bit of knowledge in terms of like what Prime Video has to offer at the moment. What do you feel Abby Jacobson and this show are going to add to Prime Video? Yeah, that's a great question. And first of all, A League of Their Own is one of my favorite movies of all time too. So you will not be disappointed <laughs> because I, it's incredible. Yes. 
Um, but in terms of moving it, and this was something I wish I could have talked about in my story. I just didn't have enough room. Um, Prime Video is a really good fit for this show. It's not a show that you're going to want to see on a, ne- a cable network or a broadcast network. It just doesn't work in the way the streaming landscape has evolved. Um, all eight episodes will be coming out on August 12th, which is something you can't really do in the cable network. You can't just binge drop like that. Uh, but in terms of Prime Video, I think it's a really good fit for them and a good fit for Abby and Will Graham, who's the other co-creator, um, because they gave them the free, full range to explore. Something I did ask Abby was, did you get any pushback about this? Because it's not like she's leaning into themes of race and sexuality with a little bit. Like, yes, it's here, but it's in the background. They go full steam ahead. And she said, no, this is how we pitched it to them. They knew exactly what we were they were getting. Um and they just kind of let them do what they want. So that's what it does for Prime Video. And I think just in terms of what the show is and the narrative it's going to add, I think it's a win-win for both of them. That's amazing. Um, I Molly, I had a question for you. Um, just talking about how Abby pitched that and everything. You know, she says she invests a lot of herself in these stories, which I found another fascinating part of the interview. Um, and she points out something that has been said, you know, in the in I feel like in the past few months we've seen it a lot more. Um, how it's really important to have like representation on all ends to really tell these accurate stories or these stories that just represent the world today. Um, so, what do you think like the impact of Abby's work can have on this next generation of storytellers? Oh, great question. I mean, even just for me as a queer woman sitting and talking with another queer woman for two hours about the importance of representation and storytelling and seeing our stories on the screen, like I'm almost 28. For me, that was changing. Like if something came out like this um, or like other work Abby's done when I was 15, 16, and I was watching this and I saw people like me, people who play baseball and softball, but are queer, are just living their lives authentically that would have changed my life as a teenager in Georgia. So in terms of just overall impact, I think it's going to be huge. And then in terms of storytelling, I think it shows that you can, it doesn't have to be the standard default, the straight white male default. I think it shows that there is room for other stories and people do want to tell them and that there is an appetite for them. It just makes her so ideal to, as the cover star of such an influential list because she is part of a class of writers that are trying to change the direction of entertainment to something that is more inclusive, something that is grounded in, you know, something that is deeply human in all of us, no matter how you dress the story, whether you're putting it in the story of a you know decades old women's baseball team or if you're setting it in the future there's something very deeply human that connects all of her stories and she does serve as a great role model for those looking to get into the industry i don't know like what you know was necessarily her foothold in the industry um what i did like though is when she mentioned that she was not a classically trained writer that she, you know, came into this, you know, with as much experience as you or I mm-hmm. um, could have coming into that. And that is something that is really, I, I, it's something that's just very inspiring. And that's something that, could, that's a kind of inspiration that I think could benefit, like, anyone, no matter what age. So it's really cool to have this person that is just 
the, I, I hope she doesn't get offended with me saying this, but the sort of like leader that you don't expect, kind of like the stories that she like gravitates towards. She's the unexpected leader across a couple of generations here. So it's nice to see her grace the cover. Um, the shoot looked very fun. I'm glad that we were able to share behind the scenes footage of that shoot and it looked very different. Does she have any bearing on the cover at all? Um, I'm not- In the direction of the cover? I'm not actually positive. That would be a question for our art team because the shoot was out in LA. So unfortunately I couldn't be there. Um, but it, I would guess so. Um, it was, this was actually her first major photo shoot, uh, major solo photo shoot. Wow. So, um, so it's a big one and I was just honored that I could be a part of it in any way. Very cool. And to sort of wrap it up, is there any, um, element from her story that you feel like would surprise readers, something that they may not expect coming from her? Um, we talk about this a little bit in the cover story, but she's got some, and I hope she's okay with, I'm sure she's okay with me sharing it since we talked about it, but she deals with imposter syndrome. She doesn't really understand why she gets to do what she gets to do. And I kind of interrupted her when she was telling me this and I said, you do it well. She was like, well, uh, but she, I mean, as you said, she's not a classically trained writer, actor. She doesn't like to call herself an actor. Her, she's an illustrator. That's what she went to art school for. Um, there's a plot line in Broad City right. uh, where she sells an illustration that's actually based on something that happened to her in real life, uh, not a white supremacist dating site, but, um, <laughs> well, that, that's the Broad City plot line yeah. where she accidentally, <laughs> she accidentally sells an illustration that's used in a white nationalist commercial, but in her actual career, she sold illustrations to AOL, um, and that's what she used to really promote the web series Broad City, which then obviously became... That uh, the Comedy Central series that turned into a league of their own. Um, well, I'm glad we haven't seen white supremacist storylines continue in Abby Jacobs' career, <laughs> but Jackie, Abby Jacobs' oh career. But um, I love that she. Oh, I'm going to get canceled for this one. <laughs> no, you know what? She is the prime example of just someone who is bringing her real everyday experiences and she's bringing it to audiences and she continues doing it well. And Molly, thank you so much for giving us this amazing cover story, which I think it was your first cover story, right? It was indeed. Amazing. So everybody check it's it out. Just a month of <laughs> month of first for yes. Molly. Good for her. Molly's crushing it right now. So thank you, Molly, so much for joining us. And we'll be back after break to talk to Colin about Young Influentials. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. 
For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. And we are back, and we are now joined by just... One of my all-time babes, digital editor Colin. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me back on the show. Love coming in. The reason why Colin is one of my favorite people is because there is a zip of energy that you always get whenever you are even in like just relative proximity to him. And I think that that's what makes him so perfect as one of the editors of the Young Influential list is that you have to have that energy to really tap into who is you know, making such swift changes within the industry. That is a very tiring task. And him and Chloe did such a great job wrangling just a phenomenal, phenomenal list this year. I was shocked to see everyone all in one place because I was like, oh, this is a good, good group. Also, I feel like you were just here talking about Young Influentials 2021. So if one, time's a myth. Two... We, the last time that we talked about Young Influentials, we talked about kind of like how these lists resonate in the industry, how we still feel about them. Age-based lists don't necessarily hit with everyone, and there are plenty of good reasons for that. But what makes this list so great is that it really spans the industry to find just an inclusive, inclusive roster of folks that are changing the marketing and branding industry for good. Um, Colin, compared to last year in working with the Young Influentials uh, issue, what were some significant changes for you this year? Did you feel like it was easier to pull the list together this year? Was it harder? What was a big change for you? I feel like every year why I love working with Chloe on this is like we both have the same foundation where we always like to make sure we represent not just all different industries, but all different like types of people. We're, we're really big on diversity and inclusion, so we always keep that at the forefront. And so we might find people and be like, okay, but do we have somebody else that, you know, that looks more reflective of what we're trying to go for, like in terms of like diversity. Like we don't want everybody to look the same. We like to have like all colors and everything represented and from various industries. And I feel like between this year and last year, um, we saw we kept that same ethos. We saw more of that. I feel like we really saw a lot more creators and a lot more people that kind of were on the rise as we were like wrapping up last year's list. So a lot of cool creators, um, a lot of cool people in the tech space. Um, so I'd say there was definitely a lot more, a lot more of that this year um, compared to last year. And it was just really cool to see that again and work with that and just see all the cool, amazing thing that people are up to and. Also, what's really nice is seeing a wide range. So we have, obviously, it's all under 40, but you get to see super that are still in their teens, all the way up to people who are a little bit closer to 40. So I really think we did a really good job of age range also, where it's you to look at it and you don't assume it's all just like 20-somethings or teen-somethings, but I feel like we did a really good job of making sure we had all types of ages represented. 
That's great, Colin. And, you know, it, it's so clear, like, when you look at the list and you go to the landing page or you look at the magazine spread that you guys really did just do such a, a great job. Um, I have a, a question, actually, about something you just said. Um, the creators in tech, that's something that you said you saw, like, grow over the past year. Since I'm not on the TikTok as often as I should be, um, can you, like, tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that? Like, what are these creators in tech? You know, like, what does what their content look like and how are their audiences responding? Yeah, there's a lot of cool people who are doing um, interesting things in tech. Like, we had Pranav, who really does, like, how I describe it as, like, a mindfulness-type advertising that really looks at the way people think to decide on what advertising works. And we have a lot of other creators who are kind of stepping into that Web3 form, which is new. And we're all still trying to figure out what Web3 is and what all that is and kind of making it user-friendly to understand for all groups and all audiences. And then we also have the people, media professionals and the various creators and the dancers who I love. I, I mean, like Jaden Gomez, I love dancers and creators. Um, we also had like the beauty space represented. So like Becky G's new beauty line. And I love seeing different artists and people who cross over genres and cross over fields. And I feel like that really goes into show uh, like the new wave and new trend that just because you've done something for say like 10, five years doesn't mean you can't change and do something else. And it, I felt like this list really speaks to how a lot of people Maybe it started off doing one thing, but found their way doing something else. And I feel like a lot of times we get stuck and think that, oh, I've always, I've always done this. I've always, I can't easily do go from being in blockchain to going over here and going into music or going into TV or whatever. And I feel like everybody in here represented how, like, hey, we all started here, but now we're making our way into Web three, and now we're making our way from doing videos on TikTok to now doing acting or all types of stuff. So I feel like. It showed a really good range of how a lot of people did industry swifts, uh, switches and just changed and all that, which is really, really cool. You know, it was interesting because Web3 has been such a prevailing subject throughout the year. We cannot stop looking towards emerging tech, NFTs, Web3, Metaverse. So there was a part of me that was just like... So is this whole list going to be? <laughs> are they are they all going to are they all going? And listen, I am open. I am still very open to that world. I still want to learn as much about that world before I make like a solid decision. However, I think that one of the things uh that some lists can get I'm caught up in is the conversation du jour. And then suddenly you have like, oh, some of the biggest people in the world are all in Web3. And that's just not the case. So it was really great to see this list be so wide ranging. Joyvana Childs, who is the social media uh, manager over at Netflix uh, film, Netflix film specifically, not the rest of Netflix. Uh, you know, I know I've watched her work for years and she really has like worked from the ground up in marketing to get to where she is now. And now she's creating these swift social campaigns for award-winning and award-nominated films. And she is sandwiched between Joel Kim Booster, <laughs> Julissa uh, Calderon, and Becky G. That is wild. What a, what a group right like, there. What a group right there. Love them all. <laughs> Love them all so much. <laughs> It's it's just really cool to see this list, as is the case with a lot of Adweek lists, be so inclusive of 
all different aspects of this industry, to not be wholly committed to the C-suite, to not be wholly committed to Web3 or whatever the prevailing conversation is in that moment. It really does have an eye on all parts of the multiple industries that we cover. I am going to ask a really annoying question. I have yet to not ask it. Um, and I'm just going to stick with it. Do you have a favorite? Is there a favorite do young influential? Don't do that to me. Don't do that here. I'm going to. We ask yes, tough questions around I here. I that clearly. question. So where's my publicist? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, one of my favorites, I, as you all know, and I just said like two seconds ago, I love dancing and I love choreography and all that jazz. So Jaden Gomez was one of my favorites. I feel like I've been watching her and her roommate, Kara, like rise on TikTok from when they created the dance to Give Me More to... Um, how Jaden did the About Damn Time one with Lizzo and just like watching her like TikTok creator journey just like span and just like really see how this young woman just like completely has taken over the app with like her choreography and her dancing and she was such a pleasure to talk to and so nice and I one of my favorite things I love watching people's journeys grow and just kind of see where they started from to like how they rise and also keep that same like energy and persona that lovableness and Jalissa is like another one that I've watched her make online videos for for a while and so just seeing how her career has grown and how she's acting and getting more getting getting her flowers that she deserves like she's another one of my favorites and then I've also loved Becky G and just really seeing how she's moved like not just moving from music space but doing music and also creating like a standpoint in like the beauty space so I feel like those three are three of my like just favorites close to my heart because I've watched their journeys for for a while and just seen them grow and so it was just an I'm more just like an honor to just like be able to talk to them and just like see all that they're up to and just know that they're like JLo says just getting started so <laughs> love, love to see it <laughs> and that makes so much sense Colin too when thinking back on the list like um that you pick people that are kind of stepping out of not only their comfort zone, but also I think that's also the fascinating part of this generation of creators and storytellers is we are growing up watching them. Um, they garner their audience over years and years, and it's only like just it's inspirational and it's empowering to see them grow their platforms year over year and then make lists like Adweek's Young Influentials. Um Something that you will not see in the issue, but I do recommend to our listeners. Can I plug in your Instagram? Stop. Oh, here no, when we talk about TikTok dances. No, Listen, I just, <laughs> this brings me joy in my everyday life. Um, check out Colin's Instagram. Uh, tell us your handle, Colin. Yo, uh, C-O-L meets world. Yo, you'll see anything from dances I make in between meetings and calls to different acting skits of like things I like, um, inspirational videos. You know, I love to keep the kids occupied and entertained <laughs> throughout their work day. A lot of them are Amazing. based on true stories. So be, <laughs> follow along, grab a snack and come on back. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's why sorry I was gonna you say can, Shannon like talking about TikTok dances we can't talk about like we can't not talk about Colin you know bringing them to life on his own channels so that's why I just wanted to plug that in his channel is also very um illuminating in terms of the ad week culture because there are not many companies where a staff member could film a TikTok <laughs> 
on the ground, and it's just honestly, fine. I feel honestly when I when I started like making them around the office, I was like just waiting for somebody at like HR to be like, log out for me, log out. Put your, put, your, put your password on the notepad. Just log out, log out. I was waiting. But then I just started doing it more and more around the office, and everybody's either joined in or observed or given creative direction. And so now the office has just turned into, honestly, my full-time content studio, and I'm here to bless the kids for as long as I can. Um, well, let's be clear. You, you do not qualify for Creator Visionary Awards. So we want to go ahead and establish Dang that boundary it. now. But we really do enjoy yep. your content. <laughs> and so I, I, my final question and kind of... Uh, in order to kind of move us into our final section here, how do you feel, and we talked about it a, a little bit at the beginning, but has doing the Young Influentials podcast, has that sort of changed your view at all of the list? I know you are well acquainted with it from an editor standpoint, but as someone who then gets to take that offline and really get to know these influential figures at a deeper level? Has that shifted this list for you in any way? I feel like it inspires me because I feel like a lot of times we'll get just part of the picture by reading it. We'll be like, oh, this person like started a company at age 19 and now they're a C-suite person at age 23. Like, And I feel like what the podcast does is it brings that story to life. How some will be like, you know what? I actually lived in my car for three years and I struggled doing this. And it kind of humanizes it where you're like, oh, so I'm only seeing one aspect of it. And I feel like that's what I truly enjoy whenever they come on and I get to talk to them. It's you were getting more of a full picture and more of an understanding. And it also is inspiring because a lot of times we'll be like, oh, they're so cool. They're doing all these cool things, but we'll miss out on like, you know, how they weren't able to like see their family for three years or how they're always on set, how they're tired. And then also other relatable things like how they deal with burnout or how they deal with uh, trying to get inspired or like looking for other jobs and bookings and like making the changes and stuff. So I feel like every, every week when I'm talking to the different guests, it's inspiring because I'm learning more about their story. I'm getting motivated. I'm feeding off their energy and they share such great wisdoms and gems with our audience that I feel that I wish it was something that I had when I was in high school or um, starting out in my career where they're just giving you great tidbits and stuff that you can take with you like right after the episode ends and be like, you know what, like this person said they journaled or this person says like, you know what, I had to hustle for a little bit. So for me, being at this job right now and not being where I want to be is not just wasted time. I got to like use the time that I have to get to where I want to be. So I, it's really just brings it to life more and it really inspires me. That's great. Thank you, Colin, for that. And I, you know, I, I think you do such a good job of bringing that to life on your podcast. And it's, it's kind of like the, it really is an extension of what we do in this issue. Um, and obviously you are a really fun person to converse with. So I really encourage everyone to check out the Young Influentials podcast. Um, and speaking about podcasts, since this episode is titled, yes, that's probably a crossover. Um, Miss Molly, let's bring you back on to talk about your podcast that you will be doing. Well, thank you. Um, I do host a podcast. Season two of Most Powerful Women in Sports will be coming soon. Um, I have taken over as host and I will be talking with uh, very influential people across the sports landscape, whether or not that is in the front office, athletes, uh, coaches, managers, marketers. Uh, basically, if you're involved in sports at all and you're doing something cool, I want to talk awesome. to you. There we heard the call to action. 
And <laughs> there's no better um, person to host that podcast, by the way. If you ever have an opportunity to follow Mahler's Twitter, Molly's Twitter, it is <laughs> Mahler's. If you follow Molly's Twitter, it is almost exclusively women's sports <laughs> related. Uh, you get some TV in there too. My Twitter you is do. the cult. You get my Twitter is the perfect mashup of women's sports. Love it and TV. That's what we need. That Which is, is right. why this cover yep. story was kind of perfect for me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that is actually pretty ideal. Um, I learned so much about the state of women's basketball through Molly. Listen, we're coming into playoffs. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> WNBA, <laughs> baby. I don't know what that means. Well, check out Molly's Twitter, Shannon. That's a big word for <laughs> Well, I'm so thrilled that we were able to have both of you on today. Um, you've both plugged your Twitter accounts. I recommend that everyone take a moment to follow those. And as Lou said, please make sure that you check out Young Influentials out now on the, <laughs> the internets. Get inspired. Take a look. Get to know some real cool, dope folks. Thank you both so much for joining yeah, us today. This was such an honor. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks anytime, guys. Bring me we, back. We will. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah we'll <laughs> Rude. Thank you both. Fine, Shannon. You can't come on my podcast. No. I would be useless. But I'm going to find a way anyway. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Okay. Are they gone? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, just kidding. Those two are amazing. And that was a really enjoyable conversation. But my friend Shannon, I want to turn this to you because um, we're not fully done on the details of this being a crossover episode. You had a podcast that just came out. Um, what can you tell us about Off Madison and what listeners can expect? Oh, man. So Off Madison is a labor of love. Let me tell you, it is a narrative style podcast that talks about all of the change makers um, off of Madison Avenue or outside of the state of New York who are making a difference in the marketing and branding industry in terms of DEI um, as a person who, as we all know, is located in Florida. I've always struggled with the very centralized way that this industry has operated for a long, long time. For a while, you either needed to be in New York or you needed to be in LA. And if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that when it comes to our work, 98% of it you can do from anywhere. Uh, any, I feel like every region has something unique and special to offer to this industry and to kind of widen. We talk about widening the aperture a lot, but to offer those opportunities and grow talent where they are instead of yanking them from the places that shaped them, it allows for a much more well-rounded industry. So I'm getting to talk to people in North Carolina, getting to talk to people in Ohio, getting to talk to folks in Oregon, France, 
Atlanta, which is a huge hub. I'm getting this opportunity to really touch base with where the industry is now, which is everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, and then I also get an opportunity to, again, kick it with my colleagues because I love all of my colleagues <laughs> so, so much. So I want to involve them in everything. So there are some, yeah, that's probably an ad favorites, like T.L. Stanley, uh, like you. <laughs> you joined me for a that's segment right. not too long ago. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Morley. It's just an opportunity to really take a look at where this industry has been, where we've kind of held back, and where we're going. And it allows me to be just a little dramatic. I get to do voiceovers. I get to include sound effects. Like, it it is just a production production, and it's really, really exciting. I actually can't (laughs) believe it's here, because I've been talking about this thing for almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> for real, you know, and it's just like a testament to all the work that goes into it. And I think like, I think our listeners will, it's, I'm not even going to say they're going to be surprised because they expect like this caliber of work from you just based on what you've done at Adweek so far. So um, I'm excited. It's going to be like a different kind of format. I think you're filling in such a gap here um, in the industry. It's conversations that need to be had. Um, and I'm really excited to see this roll out for you. So thank you for this brainchild of yours and wishing you all the luck and everybody tune in to off Madison now available on Adweek podcasts. That was super sweet friend. Thank you. And thank you for all the episodes that you will be on that. I have not roped you into yet. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, okay. And that's a wrap for this week. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media? meaningful connections.